The following is a presentation of the Black Hollywood Live Network, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live, Geek Nerd Tech, featuring a weekly roundup of tech news and gossip. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host of Black Hollywood Live, Geek Nerd Tech. Hey. Oh, I like this song. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Like... yeah. All right. Ooh. <laughs> hey. Downtown. Love it. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Black Hollywood Live's Geek Nerd Tech Show. Now, we are not the normal host for this show. Joan Akili couldn't be here this week, but we're filling in for them. We have a full panel and a lot to discuss. Um, I'm your host, Tiana Hobson. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Tiana Hobson. Um, and I'll let my co-hosts introduce themselves, starting here to my left. Uh, hi, I'm Kenneth Hussar. I'm part of Cesar Hussar. Uh, we stream on Twitch and we have our uh, label on other social media. So you can guys can go ahead and check us out. We're pretty crazy and uh, fun people to hang out with on Twitch. So come and check us out. Your host today, James Ward III. My Twitter is James Ward III. Same as Instagram, across the board. Hey family, it's good seeing you again. This is Shirley Hussar, H-U-S-A-R. You can follow me on Black Hollywood Live on the Black Tea Party, as well as Urban Game Changers and our upcoming um, prototype is almost completed, which is great, story.com. I'm Stephen Lemieux over here on the on the ones and twos. Hey. Stephen holding Steven. it down as always for us. Check, check. All right, cool. Okay, he's back. here. Stephen Lemieux piece. in the booth. He's going to be contributing as well. Um, our first topic today is Apple is releasing their new app. It's moved to iOS for Androids. So basically, um, Android move. Android users will now have the iOS software. James is already giving a look, <laughs> so I want to know what he thinks about this interesting the development. ultimate shade. <laughs> <laughs> that is Apple saying, we know you want this, and we're going to show you why, and bring you there. I love it. I mean, I'm an Apple user. I love Apple products, so I'm like, anything to streamline, streamline my life and make it easier and functional in like one flowy way like I think it's a great idea but see we have two Android and two <laughs> iOS people here yeah, you <laughs> see me I'm so me and Kenneth are Android though I do have an Apple Mac but I do have an Android phone so I kind of tip in both sides of the uh, uh, pendulum. Uh, uh, I will say that for um, Android oh you for Android for Android why uh, I, I know I just never got the chance to go over to Apple uh, I wish I would it's because there is a lot of things that are exclusive to Apple once you go Mac, you never go back. Oh, oh, <laughs> it's man. true. Well, you know, I would say that the Android has the apps are more expensive on Apple than they are um, iOS. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's more free apps on iOS than there are on Android. So, uh, if you're a Droid fan, you're gonna love your Droid. Also, as far as the Pixel, I believe the Pixel cameras and the Pixel uh, look of um, Android is much better than iOS. But, you know, I do love Apple. I have my Apple fans. I, I'm a Mac person, so I'm in, I'm in that club a little bit. I think it's interesting that this actually came out with this shoe, this shoe on this foot. You know, cause right now there's boot camps and things for the iPhone or for Macs that you can play PC or use your PC on your Mac. So it makes more sense that the Android operating system would have been able to be used on the iPhone, and it seems like it would have been easier to port over for Android. But I feel like Mac just jumped on it first. I mean, it's brilliant marketing in that now 
they can literally advertise, hey, you know, you can use this app on your Android phone if you download the operating system, which is then advertising Apple on Android, which is then getting Apple a bunch of free advertising for people just downloading an app. Um, it's brilliant, and I think Android's probably just really angry they didn't think of it first. It's ge- it's genius because I mean the name move to iOS. They're telling you what you're going to do. <laughs> That's true. We're making letting you it's think like you have a choice. Message. It is. Yeah. It's subliminal. It's the subtext. There's te- letting the consumer know who has an Android. You don't know that we're coming for you, but guess what? You're going to switch over sooner than you think. But on the other aspect, if you're developing out an app, you'll learn that the developers there's two different components when creating an app for iOS versus Android. And so when having that backing component being so different, it's interesting that they're trying to make it across genre so it's easy for the consumer. But on the other hand, I'm going to wonder and question, uh, question, is it going to be easier from the developer aspect of it? Well, you can look in an aspect of this, which is basically... Um, now you don't have to... People may not be getting apples anymore because they can get both operating systems on both on the Android by itself. So why would you get an Apple when you could get an Android where you have both operating systems that do the same thing? And some apps are developed specifically for iOS and not Android. And mm-hmm. usually when you do a prototype or a test of a launch, you can choose either or the or because of cost factor. So it's going to be very interesting. It's, it's, outcome. it's not even that. It's when you download the Move to iOS app, I'm sure with 100% certainty that they're going to make you create an Apple account. So that's the thing is even if that's a good point. Yeah. even Very if good point. you're gonna down, people buy Androids because they can have both operating systems, Apple is still getting your email address. They're still getting information, and that's I guarantee point. to it's you, they're going to be taking data from yep. any app you use on that come to iOS app. It's genius. It's oh. true. It's genius. Well, good good for Apple. You know they're doing <laughs> they're doing the smart thing here clearly. Um, and you mean Skynet, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, and speaking of other businesses making smart moves, Lyft has just partnered with um, China's largest taxi hailing app, which is called Didi, I think it's called. That's so right. this is a follow-up to a story we did on Geek Nerd Tech about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. which um, there the, there's a Chinese, the Chinese company that's similar to Lyft and Uber really hates Uber. They really, really, really hate Everybody Uber. Hates Uber. They hate but Uber so I much. I hate Uber. I'm sorry. I don't hate Uber. They have. They hate Uber so much because Uber was trying to move into China and things like that. Consumers love it. That they have been funneling millions of dollars into Lyft in in uh, America to try to put Uber out of business. They have been oh, wow. investing wow. in Lyft to put Uber out of business. So them partnering with Lyft is really another play to try to take out Uber. The and same way the taxi cabs tried to do here in California. Yes. Mm. Mm. Okay. okay, so let's look at the factor. First of all, I drive for Uber on the weekend because I wanted to study the component. I wanted to study people mm-hmm. uh, to see how it moved. And I, I love people, so it's really extra little fun money. Um, Uber is a $16 billion industry, an app with it's $16 billion. And what do we have? Lyft is $2.5 billion. A big difference. Billion is billion, but it's still a big difference. <laughs> I think that if we think of China, no, we think it. about... Oh, that's true. <laughs> we think of China, we think about the component of the number of people in China. Their as- access use is the key thing. It's the same thing. It's almost similar stories. We have iOS and Android, the access to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that you can put either one of them out. you got McDonald's, Burger King, and Jack in the Box. You're going to have Lyft. You're going to have Uber. But I think right now, 
what's interesting to me is that I find that I use Uber more often than I use Lyft. Absolutely. But that's mostly because when they both kind of came out in my area, Lyft wasn't available. I live in the Valley, so I could get an Uber to West Hollywood, but I couldn't get a Uber or I couldn't get a Lyft to, from my house to West Hollywood. And I think that's a good thing to note is that I think it depends on the market. Mm-hmm. LA is a very is a place where people want to feel special. They want to feel important. Uber initially, their branding was everyone's private driver. Yes. So you have in LA a city where people are going to prefer something that might come off as a black car, but it's not something that you absolutely paid for. Versus Lyft has a pink mustache. It has all these other things that. I think can make someone think, eh, I'm going to go with Uber because yeah, I can yeah. slide under the radar more. Yeah, it, um, in my personal opinion, I think that Uber comes at uh, as a more kiddish type of feel when they do their marketing. And when you look at the app in general, it doesn't feel like it's a serious thing. But when you get Uber, it feels like it's a professional thing, like you're guaranteed, you know. So it's just mm-hmm. a different feel for me mm-hmm. when I look at the two apps. And they have Uber XL and they have the Uber Black right. and they have the Uber Luxury yeah, and, and things like that. chic. I'm going to make a prediction yeah. here, though, that in five years, Google's going to take over the the Uber Lyft So you space. think there'll be an acquisition merger with Google? See, I... I, I, I don't think I don't that. Have, I, I, think Google's, I think Google's self-driving car is going to monopolize the market. Oh, I think yeah. people oh, yeah. are going to get to a point where Google is the only corporation you think Uber has $16.5 billion. Yes, but how much of that is liquid and how much can they actually invest in self-driving cars and things like that. Google's already been working on self-driving cars for years now, and if anyone has the capital to fund building 10,000 self-driving cars for every state in America, it's Google. And I think it's just going to be one year, you're going to randomly see self-driving cars everywhere that'll come pick you up, take you where you want, and Google's going to make bank because they don't have to pay drivers, they don't have to worry about that. You're going to be able to lower the prices because Google's margins are lower because they don't have to pay drivers. So now you're getting taxis that can take you anyway for probably a third or half the price of Uber or Lyft. And it's going to put all of them completely out of business. i got to beg to differ with you. I don't think people are going to be willing to jump into a car um, that they don't see a human control. Because even though computers are programmed to do one thing, humans do various of things. Being an Uber driver, I can tell you when people walk across the street not looking up with a cell phone, how are you able to predict that? Or the bike rider, there's more bicycles in Southern California. We're not used to that. And it's more like that's normal, normal back east. These people do things. You go, what the heck are they doing? Uber has five platforms. They've got Uber X, Uber, um, the black car, the limousine, I the love SUV. Pool. Pool's a new thing. Oh, the pool and I the pool. pool. The pool and the food and the mm-hmm. Uber, yeah. they'll go pick up food for you. I will say I do agree with you regarding the taxi industry. I mean, the old mafia, mafia school of taxi is kind of dying. You know, meaning that, you know, we monopolize with the unions. The unions had a very strong hold with the taxis. Now Uber has come in. It's a global economy. So you got $16 billion against $2.5 billion. Um, these apps are, people are smarter. They're not doing quick acquisition and merger. And I do see Uber becoming a $100 billion industry, or at least the shared ride industry that much. I also see that more people are using it and not buying cars. When I yeah. drive, I meet people and they go, I don't want to drive. Young people say, I don't even want to get a license. And a good part about that is they might have a tax write-off in the future in mm-hmm. each state to say issue. And the other thing, too, that I, I would say, I don't, not in dis- I don't disagree with you, but I would have to say the question would be to me is that fear that the general public still has of trusting robots. Same with police. Exactly. It's a similar kind of thing. Unfortunately, though, the, f- the fear that's going into where our economy is being driven nowadays 
is fear based on other humans and not fear based on electronics. That's true. Um, a lot of the fear that is in now is that's in, generational. In five to ten years, that's generational. After let's say fifty people get kidnapped using Uber or something like that, once it hits a certain point. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be parents aren't going to be trusting of Uber because they're going to be more trusting of a self-driving car that they don't have to worry about. Um, there is fear in that people can control, can hack in and take over the self-driving mm-hmm. car and bring people wherever they want. There's also that fear as well. But if you really look at it from an economic standpoint, from a usability standpoint, offering partnerships with jobs where you can literally have the self-driving car and those are the only cars on the road bringing people to and from work for free or doing things like that. Google's the only corporation that could make a partnership with pretty much every company in the world because they have a business relationship with almost every company Yeah, in the but world. you also have Amazon. You also have uh, uh, other platforms that are out there. Apple's buying up things. Um, you know, it, there's a lot of billions on the table. Oh, there there's are. There's a lot of trillions on the table. So I wouldn't just, because Google is so huge, also you have to keep in mind there also is Amazon. Amazon is also trying to play in that same space of, uh, gobbling up all the small guys and mm-hmm. making those acquisition mergers, making there. So I would say um, if, what's most likely is Amazon's going to take over one Lyft or Uber. They're going to try to ac- acquisition those com- one of those companies, and Google's going to try to do it on their own because Google doesn't like using other people to do what they want to do. <laughs> um, yeah. With your with your comment about uh, it, the human aspect, um, I'm sometimes terrified when I get into Ubers just because the drivers are so bad. I've gotten in Ubers where we've almost gotten in accidents. I've actually, I would trust computers more to predict. They don't know where they're going. Yeah, I've, I've almost missed my flight because a Lyft driver decided to turn left instead of go straight. And I was late to the Lyft, to the flyaway by 10 minutes because of that, which made me miss my flyaway, which then I had to drive down to LAX in rush hour traffic. Now, Stephen, how long, when did you leave to get on that plane? You know, you need to get on the plane an hour and a half to be at LAX an hour and a half before. <laughs> I left at so 5. So don't be putting the pressure on the driver. <laughs> I left at 5.30. Because you know they can't drive. The so why you put, still know where to I left at, LAX. That's I, a major Okay. Ride. I left at 5.30 a.m. to get to the flyaway, which is 15 minutes away, to catch the 6 a.m. flyaway. No, that's that. Mm, you need more time because than that. my flight no, will take out. Tr- I'm not gonna give nobody that much power. I'm to gonna do that an hour and a half to get to the flyaway. Yes, in no, the valley. You know, in, like the flyaway is ten minutes from here. He had left. Like some people don't know how to drive. You take that risk when you. If you were that driving yourself, you know, you can. I know how to go. I know I'm going there. You guys are thinking as you're the driver. You just said it yourself, though. You take that risk, and right. with a self-driving car, you don't take that you risk. Plane this route. There you, you go. Plan this you, you plan this You pro chose my argument. <laughs> <laughs> you just literally gave me my. It's, it's like the Californians. Everyone argues about how did you get here? How did you get here? You can essentially plan the route in that car and say, I know that because of this hour, I want to go here. Mm-hmm. If anything, they'll partner with Waze because Waze is making huge headway. And oh, but Waze makes yeah. you drive like a bat out of hell. Okay. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, turn left. Turn left. No. <laughs> But don't you love that Waze introduces you to new parts of the city? <laughs> because true. like I would drive through neighborhoods. You're now in what? Yeah. Well, I was driving through and I found, I found a random like lake in the middle of Coldwater Canyon that I'd never seen before. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so pretty over here. Like, it's of course, true. I did that house for sale. Yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah, if you have the time for it. Yeah, but when they start reading the demographics, there's 14 black people and two white. But the worst thing I mean, I mean, to me <laughs> is it, in rush hour traffic, it has you going across. Four to six lanes 
at a stop yeah, sign when there's oncoming true. traffic, and it's like yeah, that's annoying. Yeah. yeah, that's true. All right, but but we, I like Frogger, so you know. Yeah, Frogger is fun. <laughs> Frogger. <laughs> Just when you lose, it's not fun. Um, oh. So moving on. So Pope Francis is coming into town next oh, week, man. and so because he's coming in town, the FAA has issued a no-fly zone basically for drone for. Oh, Drones. 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 I can talk. I swear. Drones. Drones. We were talking about androids. So I have that in yeah. my head still. So drones. Which in, is probably a form of an android. Yeah. Drone, drone so like. in the oh, D.C., good. New York, and Philadelphia areas, there's like a cutoff of flying any drones around the area for risk of hurting the Pope or They can't to, enforce it. There's yeah, no way you, they can enforce it. How do you regulate? It? Well... How's it going to hurt the Pope? He's going to be giving a speech and he's going to be what like... What if you lose control? Yeah. Of Is the- it that detrimental that should it be flying around regular people? <laughs> it's- the Pope is special, okay? <laughs> calm down over there. So. Well, there's been an interesting trend here that, that paparazzi are getting really angry because right now you can you have your camera and you can only lift it up so high. So if somebody goes to a movie premiere, they have a drone at the movie premiere, it's above everyone else, it can get in the red carpet, it can go places that you can't go. That's so true. right true. now, true. and the, it can zoom in and out. Yeah, the <laughs> biggest the biggest pull for the Pope right now to come here is for media. So mm. if a drone from some third party is stealing the best footage of everything, it pisses off all the media mm. and makes everyone really unhappy. Plus, it's the risk of you can attach anything you want to a drone and fly it into somewhere and blow it up if you really yeah. want. Well, to. you know, I think that's when we're not talking about the safety factor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've seen people put tasers on drones. Um, a CES had shown and had an exhibit of all these different things you can do with drones. And I've done a lot of seminars where I've gone and they've shown us how drones are working. So there's all this new creativity other than, okay, let's do a camera. No, let's put a taser. Oh, we can put a gun. Or we, we can, can turn a drone into a clock and take it to school. Well, it's all, you know, Amazon had used drones to make deliveries. You know, they were yeah. just dropping off. Um, packages. Yeah, so drones like, are yeah, the yeah, store. The stork. <laughs> yeah, the stork. So it can do a lot of things other than pictures. Listen, Skynet. FAA can do whatever they want to do. I'm just glad that now they made the rules to where you can have the headphones on when taking off. I can listen to music. <laughs> you don't have to power down. You just have to put an airplane yes. on. Okay. So if they want to keep making up rules. But I think my biggest question is how are they going to enforce this? And I don't know a lot about drones, but if I'm flying my drone over there and you shoot it down or whatever you do, how do you trace it back to me? Um, do they have serial numbers? They have serial numbers. Yeah. So what if I scratch that out? If I'm <laughs> then there's oh no, no, no. Just show your just show numbers. It's registered with someone. <laughs> Plus they can it's trace it's the signal back to its controller. Yeah, because yeah, it's Uncle Sam. They yeah, can find because they're saying that you could risk like criminal charges if you're caught with your drone flying. Wow. While wow. he's here, they should have just uh, hired like around room. with FAA. Yeah, I like my freedom. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be on the no-fly list for flying no. a drone. Yeah, no. <laughs> they're just gonna hire about like a hundred grannies with brooms that are just gonna walk around like this around the pope to try to get them down. Hello. Some little kid has his toy. Hey, I'm watching you. <laughs> I do want to mention something because we haven't talked about it on Geekner Tech before. Is have you guys seen Extreme Drone Racing? No. Oh god, it sounds lame. It's. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, have you ever imagined what have you ever imagined what it's like to be Just Superman? Say that three times. Yes. Yeah, I think so. What people are doing is they're taking Oculus Rift virtual reality goggles mm. and attaching two peripheral cameras to a drone okay. and feeding it through to their goggles. So they race drones, but they're in the first person perspective of the drone 
weaving in and out of stuff and oh, controlling it. So it's like it's that that game in real life. That's pretty amazing. cool. Except for when you hit a pedestrian, you don't get points. You get a you get, you get sued. Well, you get you get a, a first few look of their of their skin. Yeah, watch out for the birds. But no, look look it up on the Google guys. Look it up on YouTube and look it for. They go through like car parks and it's just like weaving in and out of stuff. But you're in the first person and it's just like whoa. Yeah, say. That's like super cost. It's because if you look, if your drone crashes, you got to repair that and pay for it. Yeah, Play video games, guys. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about the drone could be any size. I'm about to say, we ain't talking about size. It, it, it could exactly. be the size of my iPad, and it, you know. Oh, I've yeah. seen yeah. like that small, at least, at least that small. At CES, they had this challenge where they had everybody sit, and you remember we were at a section where we stood, and they had all the drones, almost like an air pilot show. Where they all were layered, and there was all these different directors, and it was like the bigger ones, smaller ones, amazing ones, tiny ones. It was scary because they could get down almost to a fly size. I mean, oh, they have flies, yeah, yeah. they have flies. So it's just very interesting. It's crazy stuff. It's it's interesting these drones and where technology will take us. And you know where technology's taking us now? Drone racing. Technology's taking us to the (laughs) new way of playing fantasy football with DraftKings, guys. Blastfootballseasondraftkings.com crown more billionaires than any one-week fantasy sports site anywhere. More millionaires! And this season, the prizes are even bigger. You can start the season by winning $2 million. It's the biggest fantasy football contest ever. $10 million in prizes are up for grabs, including $2 million for first place and $1 million for second. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. That means you can choose football on demand, when you want it, play when you want, where you want, with the players you want. You've never experienced football like this. Just pick your players, pick the points, and pick your cash. That's it. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big kind. A few preseason games uh, went on beforehand, but now that we've got the season kicking off, you guys need to hurry to DraftKings.com right now and use the promo code GEEK to play free for a shot at the $2 million top prize. Enter now. Again, the code is GEEK. So DraftKings.com, enter promo code GEEK to play for free. That's DraftKings.com, promo code GEEK. Can I just say that that's that the right best now? way to do um, fantasy football because I did it last season and I didn't have the attention span to stay on for the full uh, season. Uh, oh, but playing like goodness. one week at a time, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Like one week, just kill it and then be done with it. Like, and potentially yes. win. And millions of dollars. Like, I mean, dollars is not bad. You know, it's interesting. We all have become so geeky. People are like, you know, they have their cell phones and they have their tablets. So to play DraftKings is really easy. It's like the next best friend you have when you're in line you're tired you're like oh I want to do like, DraftKings give it a shot with two million dollars you can turn a football into a uh, into a drone and give it to Tom Brady <laughs> <laughs> do I deflate it or I leave it flat? oh that was a good one I don't know is it a dirigible <laughs> all this football talk alright so Go next hot. up we have um, so the New York schools are instituting a new um, program where all the schools will be teaching computer science um, as an elective class for middle school and high schoolers, this is a plan to roll out over the next 10 years. Um, and Mayor Bill de Plasio is the one who's kind of spearheading this effort. So what are you guys' thoughts? Why is it an elective? It's, it's an elective because it's not a requirement to graduate. I know. I'm saying why isn't it a requirement? Well, it's because it's like, there's all, well, why should it be a requirement? That's the question. Why yeah. is geometry a requirement? Haven't used that since... Uh, hey, you uh, hung up history. these TVs. You used some sort of geometry to like figure out the angle. I did not write out a proof to figure out the <laughs> angle. I literally just oh used the measuring tape and a level. <laughs> Why don't they teach construction? Here, how's you? Here's how you hang a shelf. Here's how you install a door. I'd rather I'd rather kids That's be learning about shop. Right? <laughs> I'd rather kids be learning about how our government works and how 
to, to survive and how to balance a textbook and do your taxes. And I think that's really important. I think computer science in this day and age is really important. I think world history is really important. I think there's a lot of things that are on the curriculum that aren't so important. I'm sorry, but earth science is not something you need to take four times before you get to high school. Once and, and then And then, again, in high school for a semester. And right. then also, Do if you good. go to college, sometimes it's a, it's a GE. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's like, a, I'm sorry, I know that talc is the least resistance rock out there. I know it. It's right. fine. I don't need to scratch more nails against it to figure it out every year. <laughs> sorry, guys. You know, but if we were, we're going to go ahead, John. You're not going to be in the middle of a job and your boss is going to be like, hey, for you to get this promotion, you got to answer a science question. What, what are you talking about? We, we work in the apartment for, like, computers. <laughs> no, you got to know, man. Which is harder? <laughs> a penny so or a diamond? <laughs> and I mean, I understand on one, on, to, on one hand why he's trying to push this. Um, in L.A., we have the opposite problem where they remove arts programs. So, I mean... It, it, Good point. You know, it, it's I get it, especially, I think, wanting to try to be ahead of the curve for the next two or three generations. But to make it a requirement, I'm not 100% sold. I say I I, I kind of disagree with you. I think, I think it should that, be an option for sure. I think it should be a, a requirement. You know why? Because we're moving in an era of technology where it's almost hand in hand with what you do. If you're a nursing, you need to know some type of computer operational system. If you whatever you do, if you flip burgers, you work the cash register. It's a technology uh, uh, device that's a component that's comprised with. Um, your job. So tech is always incorporated with everyday job. So for it to not be implemented in school or not, you know, um, broadbanded in the way that they're trying to do, I think is a disservice to the youth. I think the youth gets an opportunity to get ahead of it. They're already tech geeks anyway. That's what I was going to say. They make they fake phones for a two-year-old are operating yeah. iPads. But at the same time, that's also people who can afford iPads. I think the the, the, the inherent- government gives you a free phone. You get free government phones for people who are. On the government, they don't have to pay for a phone. Even I mean, so, there's still there's still lots of people who can't afford phones, who can't afford they can technology. Get them free from the state, but they don't. They're no, kids. They they're kids. No, 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 I, they do. I think using a computer should be required in this day and age in school, and I think the school should provide the computer. Do they not though? Yeah, yeah, they no, they, they do, yeah, but it's like no, no, no. not every school. In my elementary not, school. Yeah, well, when, when I was in high school, we got like a laptop that was low grade, like two thousands type of laptop, and it had that little mouse dot computers. in the middle. That really, yeah, I mean, there's computers garbo. at the school to use. No, he's talking right? like when he's yeah. in school. Well, I'm in school. Like I just came out, and those computers were bad, and you know, it's just like this day and age. It's just so easy to get hacked nowadays and there's just a lot of different ways that people need to be aware on how to protect themselves with the internet between the websites they visit and what you know their IP address and if you know if you ask somebody who's older or somebody's even young what's an IP address and name me five ways I can get your IP address you know stuff you should know maybe they should be teaching kids how quickly your information can travel yeah. uh, like hey maybe you shouldn't take that picture of your tits or maybe you shouldn't take that maybe I mean, look at that 16-year-old guy. And was it North Carolina or somewhere? I think so, yeah. He took a picture of his own genitalia, and they arrested him for possessing child porn and creating child porn, which is his own body, a right. picture of his him own and body. His girlfriend, I think. Yeah. 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 And wow. they arrested him, charged him, and he's now a sexual offender for the rest of his life, and it's going to follow him for the rest of his life, for pictures of his own relationship, his own body. Yeah, and that was a very interesting thing because I'm going to school for computer forensics and we had a huge conversation in the classroom about the ethical, um, if that cop was ethical for doing that because you're not supposed to have the right of going between, going, sorry, not between, going to somebody's phone. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have that. It's just a private property. They have a Fourth Amendment to protect them from that. And so was it in the cop's power to go into that phone? But he found the, um, we say the naked pictures 
So do you still punish him afterwards, even though he found something anyways? So it's really, it's really Yeah, crazy. I mean, yeah. tough. I tell you what, I would be sold on this if they want to push, because there's a lot of schools who don't even get books. If we want to just put everything digital and electronic mm-hmm. so every school can have books and teach it through computer science I, I, and then have it be accessible, then I'm okay with that. I agree with you, James. I also know that there's already curriculum online. You can go to code.org. And it has a really good, simple starter for six, seven, four-year-olds to learn to start coding. Um, a coding career is very uh, a lucrative. A child, once they get out of high school, could be making hundred to $500,000 a year. So a lot of people start coding early. And if they can get kids to be more geeky, like us, um, <laughs> they can be very profitable at a younger age and not have to put the expense of masters and doctrines and, and all these other things that how we taught in the past. Uh, technology has moved us forward in our thought process, and coding and developers are our major jobs of the future. James, I really agree with what you just said, is that with, with books and the cost of paper nowadays, it actually makes more sense to do a complete overhaul and make all of our school systems run on digital books and digital information. Because it's all at your fingertips, and if teachers create a curriculum based on that that is available anywhere, uh, school would basically... You have all this information. School would narrow it down to what they want the students to learn, but literally anyone in the world could have access to it and educate themselves on that. I think that's a really great idea because schools spend so much money on books right now because every year there's a new book. Or they don't. Right. Every year there's a new book. Uh, Students are expected to take their textbook home every day and then bring it back. They're $60 textbooks. The students can't afford that, so of course the parents are paying for that if they ever damage it. Then you have bullying, which are ruining the textbooks and things like that. Then the families, I think... Creating a new digital age of education would be very beneficial. So then my question to that is, and I'm not taking a knock against teachers or anything, but a lot of teachers are old school and have an old school mindset. And because the digital age is more of a younger generation's game, then how do those teachers, like them, you know, what happens with those teachers? Basically, you have to update teachers who've been doing things one way for so long and might be stuck in their ways into how to do things on a digital way. I think there's a good balance. Um, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I took a, I had a math class that they took me out of the math class and put me in a one that was taught completely by computers. Um, and I will say it was really terrible. Um, I, I'll say that having the computers is great because it lets you visualize and it lets you kind of have your own notebook to do work and then work on this. But you need teachers to help you, and you need teachers to explain things and teach you before you can do the work on the computers. I'm saying if it's textbook and information that the students need to have, having it digital is great. I still think that there is a need for pen to paper and pencil to paper and things like that, because they still need to work it out on their own and have a teacher there for them. I want to piggyback off what you said, though. I think we talk about a teacher that's relevant. Mm-hmm. versus old school. You said old school. Yeah. I agree with you on that. <laughs> I recently was on the Huffington Post and I talked to Wendy Williams and it was interesting because Wendy said one of her desires was to be able to go back and be a teacher temporarily, you know, in journalism and in communications. And she was talking about the aspect of she's in the business versus not being in the business. And so going back to schooling, like you're saying, you have people who now, because of technology, they have access to people who are doing the actual work versus someone who say, well, you know, I I used to do this a long time ago. I've been teaching for 20 years, but you're not relevant. So you're talking about relevant, uh, relevant. To, yeah. You know, and I'm just saying, that you know, are relevant. we already have a hard time keeping teachers employed because of pay and whatnot. So it's mm-hmm. like, how do you inspire 
teachers to come, those teachers to stay on board when you're changing their whole curriculum. You're them. making their curriculum a little easier, though, too. I agree. Because yeah. they don't have to do all this manual you... work. They just yeah. have to put, do it online now. And you know what? It also, it lets, it lets teachers be held accountable. Um, I had a U.S. history teacher that tried to teach us that Andrew Jackson and Stonewall Jackson were the same person. <laughs> um, and she... Okay. Oh, sorry. She I would, tried to ignore that, and I couldn't. Yeah, she would... <laughs> she if, would if you're watching this, uh, God help you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> she was one of those teachers who really hated Bush, which, of course, there's a lot, but she would teach that to her students. She would teach political curriculum as opposed to... Her own agenda. Fact curriculum. Yeah, she oh, would wow. teach her own agenda. Mm. Colleges are teaching, actively teaching up-and-coming teachers to teach their own agenda. It's not even a secret anymore. Colleges are actively teaching a political agenda to teachers who are going to, in turn, teach it to their kids. I feel if we made things more digital, it could prevent teachers from poisoning the mind of their children, not even with political agenda, but with false facts. Um, I don't believe... I don't believe... Uh, creationism or any sort of religion has any place in our school. I believe we need to move on and move into the science age and I need to move into... See, I, and I don't support Darwin theory, so we can go back and forth on that one. But I will tell you this. Um, when we think about education or evolution or anything, because of computers and because of the cell phone, kids are funny. They'll grab a phone and say, I'll talk to Siri. Mommy, if you won't tell me, I'll ask Siri. Yeah. Siri yeah, will tell me. So, you know, they, they're going to look for the phone or something. <laughs> they're going to listen to the teacher. Yeah, but there's always a risk when it comes down to um, those systems getting hacked. I think a few days ago, uh, skew, uh, sorry, a school got DDoSed. Some mm-hmm. kid hired some people to DDoS the school, and there have been multiple accounts where people would hack into the cameras of the school and play inappropriate stuff over the speakers. Now, what is DDoS? So, DDoSing is when you overload the servers. And so you know how a certain website can take as many users, so let's say it can only take 100 users. DDoSing is you make fake users, and you flood it with, like, a 1,000 users instant. And so then it's so you try to crash it. You crash it, basically. So you have 100 police officers blocking a wall, yeah. correct? You have 100 yeah. police officers on a wall. You can throw three people at that. They're definitely going to be able to check their IDs and stuff and make sure that the right people are going through. You throw 1,000 people at 100 police officers, um, they're going to do their best to check IDs, but it slows them down enough that one person can get through. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what they do. They make it easier to get past the firewalls by slowing down the system enough Absolutely. that they can read it and figure it out. Yeah. Um, it's terrifying, but at the same time, when there is that problem, all it does is create more jobs and create more opportunity for people to learn this and learn to battle right. it and create a whole new right. market for fighting it. Right. And, and any, any kid with a, a nickel can get a DDoSing machine. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy. Oh, interesting. Good to know. Um, okay, so next up we're going to talk about um, Facebook has now partnered with Shopify for their Facebook um, store, and now you can basically do everything you need to do ever in life on Facebook. Including if you're a catfish, buy your crush a gift. Yep. Yes. Oh. You can already do that. Snapchat, you can send money now. Yes. You can send money over Snapchat. Wow. You can send money wow. over Snapchat. You can send money through Facebook. Yeah, you can take you can, donations yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, donations. You can do Absolutely. everything you need to do. And one of the major things that was happening with Facebook with their store right now is that you can't access it on your mobile device. And since everyone is using their mobile devices to be on Facebook now, partnering with Shopify, now you can access it all from your phone so you don't even have to log on to your computer to go like, ooh, you know what? I want to buy this dress. And it already freaks me out how Facebook knows what I've been looking at because, you know, the ads pop up. And I'm like, I just looked at that like three hours ago. Oh, yeah. oh my God, Facebook, how did you know? And now you can just click and, and buy it. Yeah, and now I can yeah, click and buy it. Are following you. They're really trying to break my bank account right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
What's the name of the shark that owns the basketball team? Um, Cuban. Cuban. Mark, Mark Cuban. Cuban. Mark Cuban put a put out a video about two months ago, which was really interesting, and he's talking about how data tracks you and how. 30 years from now, all of your data from the past 10 years will still be used to follow you, whether it's your opinion or whether it's anything else. So he's actually developing software right now that will create a cyber worm that deletes all your old data. So Mm -hmm. this is actually something really interesting that will also be another market, another place for jobs. The only problem with that is people also, they pull. So I can, people can download a video, I can download that video and take it away from you. So yes, you might have the worm to delete your information, but someone already has already, it's on the server. Who's following the server. I'm going to go back to Facebook. Facebook also had a convention the beginning of this year called F8. F8 was a conference where they brought the best of the best in a tech conference up into uh, the Northern California area and they encouraged people to build support apps, support devices. Um, there were all, you know, the gaming community, as far as the farm games and, and mm-hmm. all these sorority games were big. But now they wanted other things to be incorporated, a better mapping, um, um, you know, the, the Oculus issue. So I can see why Facebook, they mm-hmm. want you to stay there. It's their, it's their capability to co- consume your time so that you do it for everything. The only thing we probably don't use it for as much as, as search. We post, we do videos, we talk, we share, we buy, and we spend. Yeah, but even with that, they have the trending topics now. So you can search. It's like if some, like, um, Ariana Grande was trending the other night, and I could click her name and find out why, and there's 15 news articles about her being on Jimmy Fallon and singing now. So even they're incorporating that into their lives, too. But to an earlier topic with the new iOS system on the 6S, you no longer even have to go into the app anymore to do certain actions. You press down. And hold, and when you, if I press down on the Facebook um, badge, mm-hmm. it will give me options, update status, oh, interesting. message a friend, blah blah blah, just right there. Excuse I don't me. have to go into the app anymore. Lord, wow, that's Mercy. really brilliant. Consumer of America, <laughs> making it easier one step at a time. One step yeah. at a time. Um, and then we also have so the who was it? The Palo Alto Research Center has created a chip that can basically self-destruct in 10 seconds. This is like Inspector wow. Gadget coming to life right now. Give the countdown. The next movie that comes out with the black glass chip. And a huge-ass label saying, buy this chip. This is actually really vital for the day and age we're in. I think it's great because right now, so many things are transferred through data. So many things that are very, very dangerous, whether they're chemical formulas launch codes or whatever you want to get on James Bond on me with. Um, Mission Impossible. I'll tell you right now, I I have, when I scan somebody's social security card to put it in our system to hire a new employee, I take that scan, put it on a flash drive to put it in my laptop to email it. If I don't remember to format that flash drive, it's still on there even if I delete it. Anyone can run by, grab that flash drive, and now they have somebody's social security number. So having a chip that allows you to grab something, Put it on there. All the data is deleted after a time limit. Very invaluable. Oh, that's definitely something that needs to happen. And right now, I think they're keeping it more to like military use. But like you said, I work in an environment where I have sensitive information, especially about celebrities. Um, you know, I had working for a talk show. I was in charge of getting them to and from the set. So it's like I had a document with 
everyone's addresses, their paperwork to get paid and all that stuff. And I was so concerned to keep it on my laptop. I was like, I don't know where to keep this information. Like, I, It's like, okay, they email it to me, I, I print it out, and then I go to the shredder and I shred it because I'm like, I don't want to be the reason that, you know, Tia Maori has a stalker all of a sudden. You know, like, so I think that, like Steven said, it's definitely something that is amazing. And if you can get it into the mass population... I think about medical be. records, that the fact that you can have someone's medical records mm-hmm. for a season, you're, you know, I'm going to go see you, you're my new doctor, and so this doctor transfers the information, and I decide I don't want to stay with you, and it could be dissolved. So, very interesting. There's different aspects. It's going to make it extremely I, hard for forensics, guys. I was, that's, I was going to that point, because mm-hmm. even with the military usage, I'm not trying to go down this road, but there's some things where things need to come up. There might have been a scandal or mm-hmm. something where information needed to be obtained. Yeah. And if it's deleted now, there's no proof. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah. it's just going to get extremely hard for guys like me who are going to forensics and to catch the bad guys because the bad guys can be open with their phones and know that their data is just going to get you know destroyed. And then even the doctor's records, like you're saying, Shirley, if, for example, you know, when you're an adult, it's private. If you sign the, what is it? FIP, so, uh, FIPA? FIPA. HIPAA. HIPAA. You sign HIPAA. No one else, what relative or not, can come access that until potentially, I guess, you die, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Wow. But what if there was something that you were holding private that needed to come up later because you, you know, someone, you became unconscious or something and now they needed to release it? If that old doctor deleted that information and they desperately needed it, what do you do? Well, I don't think this is for that kind of situation. I don't think this is for all sorts of information. I think it's just more for the government when there's very, very sensitive information that without a shadow of a doubt they need gone. And, I mean, if we're going to talk why about... why do they need it gone? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I don't want to go down that James road. Bond, yeah, right? James Bond. I can get Bond. into a whole, like... Um, well, that's a good point. James you know Bond. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It can get into... Um, a scandal. Yeah. yeah. James I mean, Bond's real. Even if it's, hey, guys, we have we have a SEAL team heading out. These are the names and these are the people. I need the president's approval. Send it to the president. He can just make a call. Hey, the list is approved, but then that list is gone forever. So it's it also protects the American citizens in a way. It's it's scary. I think every technology that we develop in the coming future can be used both ways. Yeah, there's, there's nothing safe. But usually, the ones that start at that level are uh, pertaining that goes to military, and then it comes among us yeah. civilians. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves and how it changes. I'm so excited for this next story we have. <laughs> Me too. Oh. Do you want to? Do you want to? This is the robotic it? arm story. Oh, no, that no. was going to be next. But we can talk about the robotic arms first. Okay, I, I'm so excited for this. <laughs> this is straight out... This is straight out of, like, full science mal- fiction. Full metal yeah. alchemist, you know, connecting your nerves to a machine. Oh, yeah. Some I'm su- I'm, I like the reference. <laughs> Day UX. Like Day, Deus Ex? Yeah, Deus Ex. So, they've already created... They've already found the centers of the brains and the kind of muscles that connect your musculature to your brain patterns so they can let you move an arm. So, people have already started 3D printing arms that are synthetic arms that people yes. can move around and stuff. What this does is it connects your nerve, connects to your nerves and allows your brain to read what things are touching on your mechanical arm. It actually allows you to feel with a synthetic arm. The scary implications of this are that if you tie it in to your nerves with a piece that's actually not your body part, you can hypothetically control and feel with something that maybe is a third arm or a fourth arm or a fifth arm or whatever you want. Like your nose could then become your arm. Not so much that, 
I just mean if you're really going to go, limbs. if you're going to go down know. to it, Doctor Octopus uh, from Spider-Man, you could literally find a way for somebody oh. to use four extra synthetic arms and tie them to different wow. nerves so you could feel. Oh, the million wow. dollar man. Here we go. No, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's bionic woman, a million dollar man. It's absolutely, absolutely insane. It's like the next level of synthetic body parts. Yeah. Well, well, let's think about it. The good part aspect. There's many military people who are serving our country right now, and they come back. And they come back limbless. You know, they don't have an arm, a leg, a foot. And so, and it's more. We're not, we didn't have as many people as we do now because of the war. So technology and those who are passionate about that arena of technology have put a lot of fortitude to better it. And I think it should be something that is provided by veteran services, personally. I agree. You know, I mean, because a lot of these, these vets come back and if that does happen, it's like, okay, you can go to the hospital and that's it. If that. So it's like, you know, and... Uh, I think that'd be great, and I think it's something that is so. Ahead of, do they have a release date for this at all? <laughs> like, I mean, most things, most things are only in test phases, and the FDA have to approve them, and it has to go through all that thing. So, any technology you're seeing today um, that's being developed is probably most likely four or five years off. I mean, from the humanitarian aspect, it's just it, 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 for someone who could be a potential paraplegic and be able to, you know, feel again. Even though I think actually in the article didn't it say that that's different because they have a spinal. Issue. Yeah, it's versus one particular area. There, right? Yeah, there's different there's different levels to it, but it's just the fact that the technology has started to exist, and Which is as amazing. it develops, I think what's really cool is you're going to be able to experience, um, like let's say the Mars rover. If we give this technology to the Mars rover and it can send it back in signals, you can actually mm. feel the grain of things. You can feel textures and yes, you can actually yes. understand temperatures of what's yeah. going on there. So it kind of opens the door to. Having something that maybe a person needs to be in the presence of, but they can't be, to take in new senses and things like that. That's a good stuff. point. But you could yeah. also probably tie a metal rod to somebody's nerves and then torture them by making them feel phantom pain. <laughs> I think there's yeah. more good I mean, from this. Than yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's always that good side and the bad side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's always that crazy type of stuff. And it's, it's kind of funny because I look like, I always thought to myself, if, if we were talking, you know, 50 years back, about the stuff that's coming out today, did think we're crazy. So yeah. then I hear stuff like this. And I'm like, 50 years ahead of us, they're gonna look back and be like, "How did we live without bionicle arms or like 3D stuff?" We're really pushing like the did Star Wars. Did you see Surrogates, yeah. the movie Surrogates with Bruce Willis? No, I don't think so. So Surrogates is something where they tie people into a machine and it lets them control a machine as if it's a person. They can have it look whatever they want, things like that. Oh. Um, I don't know what that was. It's really interesting because, honestly, right now, if you were to able to tie into every bodily function through a central nervous system that a computer could detect your movements, if you wore a virtual reality and tied that in together, like you could be walking like... around, you could be sitting still, walking around as a robot and feeling things as a human, as a robot. Well, even iRobot with Will Smith, wasn't his arm... Yeah, it's the same type of thing. So it's, robots also took over the world and killed they, everyone. So. That's true. We're in the future. One of them turned out to be a good guy. Yeah, there so. was one. <laughs> <laughs> but he plays you at first to get to where he needs to get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like humans. <laughs> yeah, but I robot was Touché. not a good one. I didn't like that one. Oh, I love that movie. It was good. They had a cat and everything. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephen was really excited about that story. I'm really excited about this story <laughs> because too. it's about cars. Yeah. Yes. Um, foreign cars. <laughs> foreign, foreign cars. Foreign cars. So Porsche, Porsche, 
However you want to say it. Yeah. It drives fast. They have have announced their plans for their electric car that's supposed to compete with the Tesla. And it sounds very beautiful and inspiring. And it's just every girl's dream car just right there for you. So some of the facts of this car are... um, it's a four-door Mission E. It's going to get 310 miles to the charge. Wow. 80% Jesus. charge after t- 15 minutes. Whoa. Um, which is faster oh. than the Tesla because the Tesla only gets 250 miles to charge. And after 15 minutes, it would get 100 and... Wait, hang on. 170, read, I think. Yeah, 170 after, from a 30-minute charge. So it's not it's nowhere close. But of course this car is not coming out until twenty twenty, so we still have some time. So we can drive it to Star Wars World. Yes, exactly. <laughs> with our robotic arms and all kinds. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you know, by then it'll be like, oh, cars are flying. So you have to start over yeah, from I'm sorry, ground 50, zero, near, 50, 50 years from now, man. What's what's gonna come out next? Can't wait to be an old guy. Right. <laughs> Cause, Back cause, in my day, we didn't have all this. We're gonna, be a, stuff. we're gonna be a brain in a bottle. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so I think about this all the time. My great grandmother is still living, and so yeah. you know she's 87. And I just think like she was around when the days when you literally had to you took the phone off the the wall and had to dial into an operator yes. to get connected to somebody, and now. Cell phones. Wow, it's a color television. She's seen so many transitions. So I can only imagine when we're grandparents of that age or in eighty in our eighties, what that transition would look like for us. You know, our grandkids, our great grandkids are going to be like. You know, my great grandfather was around when Budweiser did the what? Up? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and you're just an old guy with like Alzheimer's. Yeah. What? <laughs> you guys actually had to hold your phone to talk. Yeah, oh no, my it's God. just in it's my, my ear. Chin, yeah. like in my ear, and I was trying to right my body. Mom, I'm be home in a second. Quick but back. I think about that all the time with my grandparents. Just seeing the transition and seeing them try to use technology is hilarious. I have one grandma who is very hip to it. She's on Facebook. She has her cell phone where she plays her Farmville and everything. And the other grandma. <laughs> Um, I was like, here, FaceTime with my brother, too. He's in the phone? How did you get in there? I was like, oh, my goodness. That's going to be me one day. My great-grandmother text messages. It will take her a minute. to. It'll take a while, but you'll get it. Yeah. See, that's a good thing. <laughs> I'll get there. You know, going, uh, going back to the car story, though, if we think about Elon Musk and how brilliant he is, because I think Elon is brilliant. I mean, anyone who wants to... Uh, having a, you know, a mindset to want to rocket to the sky is amazing. You can go to a game change on, on Bloomberg where they do the history of Elon Musk and you see him evolve into the car. Um, Elon Musk reminds me of Donald Trump. Why? Because they are the front runners. And when you're a front runner person, everyone is shooting for you. They realize that Elon got on a roll, not that he was the, the, the first creator of, of, um, of uh, electric cars, but he looked at it from a fine wine. He didn't approach it like, you know, this is a little go-car and like a, maybe a golf course car. So when Elon Musk came out with Tesla, he said, you know, Tesla's going to have a certain look, a certain image, and now everybody's following the suit. When Porsche and Bentley and Mercedes were the it car, Tesla came out and it's like, wow, not only is it electric, it looks fabulous. So we're very visual when it comes to electric cars now these days. Though I will say, Ford has also a little electric car, which is very, very cute, um, affordable, and uh, it's more like a four-cylinder, six-cylinder category. So mm-hmm. you do have your high-end as well as your low-end when it comes to um, electric uh, cars. Did yeah. you know there's a conspiracy that thinks that Elon Musk is an alien that's trapped here and he wants to get back home, and that's why he's so. <laughs> <a> space program? <laughs> because he's Russian? There's people who believe that. 
I don't people believe that. Believe believe black a lot of all of a sudden. What? <laughs> they believe a lot people of believe people a lot. People believe Teletubbies are real. I don't care. They are. <laughs> Teletubbies. Um, well, all I know is that I have, what, five years to start saving for my for my Porsche Too now. Sure. So... There's that. I want my robotic arm. You can have that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, and then we're going to get into a fun Minecraft story. I'm going to let you take it away because you're the resident know-all. Okay, so basically, um, Microsoft, of course, everybody knows if you've been keeping up that... um, I can't think of his name, the guy that came up with Minecraft. Well, the guy that came up with Notch. Notch sold Minecraft to Microsoft. Microsoft decided that they're going to make a storyline for Minecraft, which is, in my personal opinion... Ridiculous! It's because Minecraft is a game that's driven around yourself. You choose what you're going to do in Minecraft. It isn't really a story. It's because you decide what you're going to build, what you're going to pursue, and there's a bunch of things to pursue in the world. It's a world that gives you a crap load of opportunity of things to do, and they don't hold your hand or lead you in any of those directions. They don't even give you the directions. You just take them by yourself. By giving it a storyline, it turns it from a open world game where you can do what you want to a game that's a real game a real game where you have to do these set things and that takes away from the experience in my personal opinion it's because there's been a lot of games that are coming out that are real games they don't give you open and you know the, the choice to experience things how you feel make your own story you know what i'm saying it's just a thing of now it's it, it's not what it used to be anymore and I feel like that's what made Minecraft so popular. Guys making these big castles and dragons out of blocks. It's because they chose to. It like was the their choice. Yeah, like it's the like Sims. The Sims. The Sims, you make your own storyline. It's not like The Sims is like, you have an objective of making five people. Like, right. that was never an objective. You made that objective in your head. So when you get Minecraft and you put a storyline to it, you just, you just do an objective on it. I mean, it's just really weird to me. And it takes away... And I want to see more games come out in the gaming community that are player-driven and not, you know, storyline-driven. Because we're really going away from player-driven type of games. Well, you know why they probably did that? I think down the road, I think they want a movie made after it. It's really that's weird. <laughs> so there's a storyline that's something they can pull and make into a script. Good and then they're, now they're making money. Money is money. money. Mm-hmm. I think it's more that they, they were alienating an audience. I think um, right now Minecraft is so non-story-driven... That there's a lot of people who get it and they're like, all right, I don't know what to do. I don't want to spend hours building something that's just random, which a lot of people do like to do. But I feel like having the option is definitely not a bad thing. Um, Just like I feel like I played Skyrim for over 150 hours and didn't even complete the main storyline because I didn't really care about it. I was just like, I want to do whatever I want to do. So I think it's... It's bad in that they're changing the format of the game, but I think it's also good in that they're opening the game up to new players and old players can still just play the way they want it to. They're not preventing right. people are from... Are they alienating their audience base? That's my question. I don't think they are. I think they're I... just oper- offering a you, new style. To, I've played it before. I think they're just offering a new style to players who might want that style because they're not preventing old yeah. players from doing anything. Yeah, it, I, I, still th- I still feel like now people are, are going to treat this game... Not as a open world game, but more of a story based game, and it's just it's just going to be taking it away. I mean, I do see the, the the aspects of opening up to a bigger audience, but necessarily sometimes it's not a good thing. We've seen a lot of games um, crash and burn because of that. I mean, look at Halo; uh, it's turning into something completely from what it used to be because they were trying to open up the audience to the Call of Duty franchise and stuff like that. And so it's we're going to see how it turns out. I mean, it can turn to a great thing, and it can get 
new players to come in, try out the storyline, and then get into the creative process because they have an idea of what they want to create, like a bigger version of one of the main characters. Have you ever have you ever played an MMO? Oh, dude, a part so of a guild in WoW. Every every MMO has has golden years. Um, usually, yeah. a game comes out, um, it gets developed to a certain point, and then it's the perfect time to play that game. It lasts probably two three years where it's just the perfect time to be involved in that game, to play it, and just really love it and immerse yourself in the story and immerse yourself in the characters and whatever's going on. After that, because two or three years is a long time for a game like that, the the people start dropping off. The people have better things to do. They don't know it. So what they do is they decide, okay, how do we bring in new audience? So then they change the game to bring in new audience, and the golden years are over, and that game is pretty much fizzling out at that point. So I understand that Minecraft could change from this, but it also has to be as a, as a as a as a fan and as somebody who plays it, you have to realize that the golden years of Minecraft are over. Right. Um, if they either advance or die, so right. they either try to open up to a new audience or the old audience slowly fizzles out Good until point. it's nothing. Yeah. So basically, what they're doing is they're trying to breathe new life into it, and there's going to be another game like Minecraft was before, uh, and that's going to have its golden years. Yeah. They got trove and stuff like that. And so I think they have to advance or they die. Yeah, and, and it's a weird thing. It's because I feel like Minecraft was originally an indie game, and it was never intended to be a franchise. Until they offered him about $150 million. Yeah, for and so now they're trying to turn it into <laughs> a franchise and get honest to God followers behind it that actually like the game, not just as a creative game, but as a storyline game. And so we're going to see if they can do it. Uh, I don't think they can. It At its heart, it's an indie game, and... I think that taking it away from that is going to be very difficult. Sounds like the fight between hipster and mainstream. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Good point. That in video games. Okay. Well, that's going to premiere on October 13th, so I guess we'll just all have to wait and see what it looks like when it mm-hmm. comes out and see how it does. Because if you screw it up, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. They're going to tear you to shreds. And I'm sure they'll be talking about it a lot more on Geek Nerd Tech coming up once it's out and everything. Um, that's our show for today. Thank you so much, everyone who's sitting here at the panel with me today and thank you guys the viewers for watching um where can the viewers at home find you guys all over social media uh cesar hussar at twitch.tv you can check us out and uh just come into the chat say hi to us we are very talkative when we look at the chat so uh just check us out my handle across the board all social media is james ward iii the third Hey, you guys, Shirley Hussar. Make sure you check me out on Black Tea Party every Friday at 7 o'clock right here on uh, BHL. Also, Urban Game Changers. Go to Urban Game Changer and Shirley Hussar, H-U-S-A-R, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Follow me. DJ, can we get that first track from earlier? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm Tiana Hobson. You can follow me at the Tiana Hobson. Thank you so much for tuning in today hey. and watching hey. the show. Make sure you check Man. out all the shows uh, that BHL uh, offers at, uh, B- at blackhollywoodlive.com. You can also find us online at BHL Online. So make sure you tune those in and leave us a comment and like our video on YouTube and all that jazz. So um, Joe and Akili will be back with you guys next week. Um, we bid you adieu. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us, info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram at BHL Online. 
and I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live. Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.